of your word, and Lord, uh, it's really just a very simple concept that we can learn from the text tonight, and Father, if you would please help us and help me to be able to uh, communicate this thought, Lord, as we look at the Bible, I pray you'd help it to be a time, again, of growth, a time of confirming, a time of uh, just growing in our Christian lives. We love you, Lord, in your precious name I pray, amen. Okay, well, we're there in Joshua, chapter number 12, and we read uh, uh, the first verse of chapter 13, and you say, you know, we don't normally do that, but we, we did that because you need to understand, you know, uh, and one of the things that I really enjoy about preaching through the books of the Bible, just going, you know, in the evening services where we're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, is because you really get to get the stories and, and the book in its context. And what you need to understand... A lot of times you would think, I'm sure maybe as I was reading, you were probably thinking, what is he going to say about this? You know what I mean? Uh, Because sometimes you get these type of chapters and you think, you know, there's really not much there. But when you get it in its context, it makes sense. And see, what you need to understand is, uh, as we've been studying through Joshua, we've been seeing that the children of Israel have crossed into Canaan land. They've been fighting battles. They've been winning battles. They've been taking on uh, uh, all sorts of different kings and all sorts of different nations. And Joshua chapter number 12 is all about explaining to us how much the children of Israel have accomplished. Obviously, I'm not going to take the time to go through and read the whole chapter again. We just read it. But if you look at verse 1, it says, Now these are the kings of the land which the children of Israel smote and possessed their lands on the other side, Jordan, toward the rising of the sun from the river Arnon unto Mount Hermon and all the plain on the east. So he says, he begins the chapter by saying, These are the kings that they beat. These are the kings that they smote. They took their country. He goes through a whole list there of all the different kings. And then he ends the chapter, verse 24, with saying, and the kings of Terzah one, and notice, all the kings, thirty and one. Thirty and one nations, thirty and one kings, thirty and one different armies, thirty and one different, uh, d- different lands that they have now conquered. And chapter 12 is all about telling us how much they've accomplished. And would you not say that they've accomplished a lot? They came out of Egypt as slaves. They came out of Egypt with nothing. And they cross into the promised land and now they hold the land that was held by 31 different nations. Now they hold that land. And it's interesting because all of chapter 12 is telling us how much land they possess, how much they've accomplished. But then to get it in its context, verse 1, you know, we understand it's a different chapter. But verse 1 of chapter 13 is in the context of the last verse of chapter 12. Do you understand what I'm saying? And in, and in uh, chapter 12, for 24 verses, Joshua, who wrote the book of Joshua under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, is telling us, this is what we've done, and this is what we've done, and this is what we've accomplished, and this is the land we've taken, and this is the king we be, and, and he's given us a whole roll call of their accomplishments and how great it is. But then the very next verse, verse 1 of chapter 13 says, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said, you see that? So this is God talking. So he just got done telling us, we did this, we did this, we beat these people, 31 kings, and then God kind of comments upon that, and the Bible says, the Lord said unto him, notice what he says, thou art old and stricken in years, but notice what God says, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. God, we just got done telling you how we just took over 31 nations. You understand what I'm saying? 
We just got done explaining to you how we took 31 kingdoms, we beat 31 armies, we got 31 nations, 31 cities. I mean, we've done a lot. And God says, you haven't done enough. He says, you know what? In fact, Joshua, you're now old, you're stricken in years. He said, you're probably not going to be able to finish this in your lifetime. But he says, what you need to understand is that there is, uh, there is yet, still, there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. And what you need to understand is that in our Christian lives, we need to not get satisfied with ourselves. You know, when we get saved and we come out of Egypt for the first time, when we get that freedom and that, you know, we come out and, and we're pretty humble, right? Because we have nothing. But as you go down this journey, remember the book of Joshua is, uh, is it's an illustration of the Christian life. And it's, it's an illustration of, of someone who's walking that victorious Christian life, uh, winning those battles and taking that land. And what you got to understand is at some point, you're going to get to a place in your life where you're going to look back and say, wow, I've accomplished a lot. And you very well might have. You're going to say, man, I used to struggle with this and I don't struggle with it anymore. And I used to struggle with that and I don't struggle with it anymore. And I've won this battle. And you may be able to list 31 different things that you've accomplished in your life. But what you need to understand is that God always expects you to do more. He always expects you to take more land. He always, and when you get to a place where you think, man, I've arrived, you have begun to die spiritually. Because you can tell God about the 31 kings and God says there's more land to possess. He says there's more battles to be won. He says there's more kingdoms. You've got to understand, this is, this, this is found all throughout Scripture. Keep your finger there in Joshua 13. But go with me uh, real quickly to Luke in the New Testament. Luke, and we don't have to be long tonight, okay? Uh, we really don't. Luke chapter number 2. Look at verse number 40. Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 40. You see the example of Jesus Christ. Now, let me go ahead and give you this uh, disclaimer. I understand that the verses we're going to look at right now are dealing with Jesus Christ as a child, okay? But what you need to understand, that even as a child, Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. Are you with me? He was God. Even as a baby, He was God. So this is talking about a child, yes, but this child just happens to be God in the flesh. And the Bible says in Luke chapter number 2, in verse number 40, it says, And the child, referring to Jesus Christ, grew... And wax strong in spirit. I'm sorry, am I, I think, am I reading the right verse? Yeah, yeah, that's what I want. Uh, chapter 2, verse 40. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Do you see that? The Bible says about Jesus Christ that he grew, yes, physically, but he also waxed strong, not physically, look what it says. He waxed strong in spirit, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Here's what I'm trying to explain to you. Jesus was 100% God. We've gone over that a lot in the last couple of weeks. I hope you believe that. But at the same time, the Bible says he was the Son of God, which means he came from God. Okay, But at the same time, the Bible says he was the Son of Man. Have you ever read the Bible and you've heard how God, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man? In fact, that was his favorite designation of himself. He referred to himself more as the Son of Man than any other title. And the Bible calls him more the Son of Man than it calls him the Son of God. You say, well, why does it call him the Son of God? Because he's 100% God. Why does it call him the Son of Man? Because he's 100% Man. He was a human being like you and I, yet without sin. And you say, well, he was God. Yes, he was God, but he was also human. That's why he was able to take our place. But here's what I want you to grasp and understand from this. Jesus Christ was not born as a baby and just had all knowledge and all ability. 
Yes, he was God, but everything he knew, everything he knew about the Bible, do you know that Jesus had to learn the Bible like you and I have to learn the Bible? You understand what I'm saying? Jesus had to read his Bible like you and I have to read our Bible. Jesus had to spend time in prayer with God like you and I have to spend time in prayer with God. Jesus spent time fasting in order to grow spiritually and mature spiritually, just like you and I should fast to grow spiritually and mature spiritually. He didn't just get a free pass, because that wouldn't count. He had to do it just like you and I do. And it's interesting, because he had to grow. Look at verse 40 again. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the great of God was upon him. By the way, you know, you kids, you, you got to take that as a lesson and realize that even as a child, you can grow strong and wax strong in the Lord. You can learn the Bible and learn to live for God. You can learn to preach and you can learn all that as a child. Jesus did. Look at verse number 52, same chapter, Luke 2, 52. And Jesus increased. Do you see that? The word increase is telling us that he was, it was less before and it grew. It became more. What did he increase in? Look, Jesus increased in wisdom. Do you see that? Well, he was God. He had all wisdom. No, he had to increase in wisdom. He had to learn wisdom. He had to read Proverbs. He had to read the Bible. He had to learn that. Jesus Christ increased in wisdom and stature, because he was growing physically, and in favor with God and man. Do you see that? See, God does not ask you to do something that he wouldn't do himself. And Jesus was constantly growing and learning. Jesus did not have this attitude where he said, well, I'm done. He constantly had his attitude, I'm going to do more. I'm going to accomplish more. He, you know, and that's what we're learning there in Joshua. It's not enough for you to say, I've got 31 cities conquered. I've got 31 kings conquered. I've got 31 battles conquered. I'm done. Because God looks down at that and says, there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. The idea is that you're not done. In fact, you're never done. There's always more to do. There's always more to grow. There's always more to learn. There's always more to accomplish. Let me give you another example. You're there in Luke chapter 2. Flip a page back to Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 80. Luke chapter 1 verse 80. This isn't about Jesus Christ. This is about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the Bible says, and the child, again, we've got a kid here. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. Let, let that just sink in. A child can wax strong in spirit. And, a lot, and, and uh, uh, John the Baptist was not God in the flesh. He was a human just like you and I. The child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his showing unto Israel. And you say, what was he do- doing in the desert? He was alone with God, growing and learning the Bible. The concept of the Bible is this. God wants us to grow. But here's what I want you to understand. Go to Philippians, chapter number 3. We're in Philippians this morning. We're in Philippians, chapter number 1. But hopefully you're able to find it quickly there. Philippians is right after the book of Ephesians, right before the book of Colossians. Go to Philippians, chapter number 3. Let me give you another example. The point that I'm trying to make tonight is this. Don't get satisfied with yourself. Don't think, well, I've been on this journey now for however long you've been on this journey. I've been saved now for X amount of years, or X amount of months, or X amount of weeks, and think I've been growing a lot, and I've been learning a lot, and I've been doing a lot, and I think, you know, I finally arrived. I think I'm there. Don't ever get that attitude. Are you there in Philippians chapter number 3? Do you remember one of our heroes, the Apostle Paul? Paul wrote the book of Philippians, and I can't say enough about Paul. Paul is what is, is probably my, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, he's probably my favorite Bible character in the New Testament. He's just such a great man of God. 
And he accomplished so much for God. But you know, one of the reasons I think he did so much for God is because he had the right perspective of himself. Are you there in Philippians chapter 3? Look at verse 12. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. Notice what he said. He said, not as though I... Now look, Paul's talking about himself. He said, not as though I had already attained. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I haven't arrived. He said, I'm not to the destination I need to be. He said, I'm not where I need to be. He said, I haven't attained. He said, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. Do you see that? Because remember, in, in Philippians chapter 1, we were talking about the, the, you know, that he wants, he's working on you to make you a perfect man. We went to Ephesians. But Paul says, look, I haven't arrived. He said, I'm not perfect. Verse 12, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend uh, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ. Look at verse 13. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. You see that? He's saying, look, I'm not, he's like, he's like, I'm not there yet. He's like, I'm not everything I need to be. He, he's like, I don't count myself to have apprehended. Now please, please don't misunderstand me. Thank God for the prior victories. And you ought to thank God every day. And you, ought, you should have a testimony that says, Thank God that I'm not what I used to be. But at the same time, we should have the attitude that I'm not yet what I should be. You know what I mean? I'm not what I used to be. Amen. Paul says, I'm not what I used to be. You should have seen me before. He said, but I don't think that I've attained. He said, I don't think that I've arrived. He said, brethren, I come not myself to have apprehended. He said, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And by the way, we use that verse a lot to talk to you about your guilt. And we say, look, you, 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 those things are in the past. Those things are gone. Just forget about it. Don't worry about it. But here's what you understand. Not only should your mistakes and your failures be forgotten, but you know that all your successes should be forgotten? What are you talking about? I'm saying, don't live in the past. You know, uh, Verity Baptist Church, something that we were very good at, is our percentage of salvations to baptisms has always been great. In fact, it's always been way more than any other church we've ever known. Whenever, whenever somebody would talk to me about our church, and they, you know, they would say something like, well, how many, how many, uh, like, for example, last year, you know, how many did you guys have saved all year? And I, they, uh, we'd look at our stats, and I'd say, well, we had 150 saved, and we had 15 baptized. And they're like, whoa, you had 10% of your salvation baptized? That's amazing. I mean, no other church is, I don't know any other church that does that. But you know, in 2013, we hadn't had anybody baptized until today. Now, we can't live in the past and say, well, well, yeah, but last year we had 15 baptized. No, we had people baptized this year. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, well, in the past we did great with that percentage. Yeah, but you know what? Forgetting those things we've talked behind. We can't live in the past, and you can't live in the past. You say, well, I read my Bible last year. Are you reading your Bible this year? Well, I went so many last year. Are you going so many this year? Well, I did great things last year. Are you doing great things this year? Well, I've accomplished a lot. God says, there's a lot more land that needs to be possessed. You understand what I'm saying? Look what he says, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He notice what he says. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I'm always pressing forward. He said, I'm always trying to accomplish more. He says, I'm always trying to do more. Now, here's the thing. If the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men who ever lived, the greatest missionary who ever lived, one of the greatest preachers who ever lived, the man that was used to pen down most of the New Testament, if this man said, I haven't arrived, I'm still working on it. Don't you think you and I can be working on a few things? Don't you think you and I can have the attitude of, wow, 
I thank God for what's been done, but I've got, there is so much more land to be possessed. There are areas in your life where there remains yet very much land to be possessed. And you know, the Bible says that if we do something for God, we ought to do it with all our might. And we need to just get to the place where we realize, if we're going to do something for God, we ought to do it well. We ought to give God the best quality we can give Him, and the best quantity. You know, just think, and, and you know, obviously don't answer out loud, but think about your Bible reading. How's your Bible reading this year? Seems like a good time to maybe check that. We're in May. I'll be very honest with you. My personal Bible reading, and, I, and, I, and we've got, my wife and I, we track it very well. My personal Bible reading is a lot better this year than it was last year. But it's not where I want it to be. You understand what I'm saying? I've got a goal of what I know where I, I want it to be and it's not there yet. You ought to be working on your Bible reading. You ought to be working on your Bible memorization. That you really expect us to memorize the Bible? God does. Yeah, how's your prayer time? How's your fasting? Hey, how's your soul winning? We had a great soul winning, uh, uh, you know, week this week. But don't write off of this week for the next six months. Don't say, well, we had, we had a whole lot of soul winning this week, so I think I'm going to take the next six months off. No, forget about this last week. And you know, and let me say this, and, and don't misunderstand me, but when it comes to soul winning, let, let me just make something very clear. I'm excited about soul winning, and we preach on soul winning, and, and, and I praise God for, for what's been done and what was done this last week, and I'm thankful for it, and I'm excited about it, but please understand, the, the numbers we put in the bulletin, we're not chasing after numbers. You know, sometimes you can have that question there. We put the numbers there to get you excited. We put the numbers there so you can quantify, so you can see it. But we're not chasing after numbers. Okay, the numbers represent the soul. And when it comes, you know, in every area of our life, you say, well, I got, I got people saved this week. Hey, look, I got people saved this week. But you know what? Next week, I'm going to try to do better with my soul winning. And, and, and when it comes to soul winning, let me just say this. We need to, you know, we need to up our time, the amount of time we go soul winning. You know, we ought not have this attitude where it's like, it's been 59 minutes, 59 seconds, I'm done. See ya. You know, I mean, give God your, your time. If you're going to spend time soul winning, go soul winning. Do it. And work on your quality. Work on your presentation. I am not one of these lazy soul winners. And that's exactly what it is. We have, you know, I grew up in Fundamental Baptist Church my whole life. And I went to churches where it was just like, one, two, three, repeat after me. Got one. Hey, I got one. Hey, look, I'm all for the number, and I'm all for excited, but I'm not for lazy soul winning. You go soul winning with me, and you know what you're going to see? A very thorough, systematic presentation of the gospel. Why? Because when it comes to serving God, we ought to give Him quality. And I want our soul winners to be quality soul winners. And I'm excited for anybody who comes, and I thank God for it, and I praise God for it. But you know when soul winners from other churches come to our church, you know what every single time they say about our soul winners? They say, wow, I've never seen people so thorough. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that and just talk being real sloppy about, well, look at this one verse. You, you, you like Jesus, right? You think Jesus is a good guy? Yeah, let's pray this prayer. That's not so winning. You understand what I'm saying? I want people to come to this church and think, wow, those people know what they're doing. That's why we do the team soul winning. That's why we do. You know, these guys came out soul winning. You know what they told You know, they came out here and praise God for it. But you know what they did to come soul winning to our church? They listened to every single of the soul winning 101 sermons. Why? You know what? They came to Verity Baptist Church because they wanted to learn how to go soul winning. That's why. They want to go with you to see, you know, they heard me preach about it, and they want to see, are those guys really doing all that? And they were excited. They were like, man, you guys are thorough. They were going over to security. They were going over this. They were going that. They were like, that was great. We've never seen that. We've never seen people get on fire for so long. Like, Praise God for that. Don't lose it. 
start chasing after a number and start thinking, oh, well, you know, we got to get better in every area of our life. Better in your Bible reading. Better in your prayer time. Better in your uh, soul winning. Better in your church attendance. The Bible actually says about church attendance, he says, so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you ought to go to church more this year than you did last year. Isn't that interesting? He said, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. He said, but so much the more. He said, you ought to do more. He said, more, you know, so this year you went to church on Sunday mornings only. Maybe next year, you know, or last year, maybe this year you go Sunday morning and Wednesday night. And next year go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And the year after that go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, soul winning time. And the year after that, maybe go to the men's preaching night. And the, or go to the ladies. And, you know, just find reasons to go to church. And, and, and you say, well, if I'm going to every single day, then I don't know, we'll add a service. I don't know what we're going to do. But you got to do more of it. Or maybe you just better be better at it when you're here. Maybe when you're at church, you ought to be at church. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you're physically here, you know. But the Spirit's not. <laughs> Like, the lights are on, but no one's home. You know, you're thinking about, you know, I, things I got to do this week, or, man, I need to go eat, or I need to go do this. Maybe you got to just work on the quality time when you're here. Paying attention and reading the Bible, going to all the verses, taking notes, doing those types of things. All I'm trying, to, I'm trying to encourage you to this. Thank God for the, you know, Joshua, thank God for the 31 kings that you beat. But according to God, you haven't done enough. He says, there is much more land to be possessed. He's like, there is more to accomplish. And by the way, I'm glad that we're the church that other soul winners come to to try to learn to do it right. But at the same time, I don't want us to get complacent and say, well, we're good. No, let's get better. Let's do better. Let's be more thorough. And let's get more zealous. And let's spend more time. Let's see more people saved. I think God, we had three people saved after the service this morning. I said, number one, don't get satisfied with yourself. But number two, I want you to just understand this. Are you there, you're there in Philippians? Go to John, real quickly, John. And, and look, honestly, we are almost done. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 14. I just want to show you a couple, a couple things. Number one, don't get satisfied with yourself. Don't ever get to the place where you think, man, I'm the man. I am good. Paul said, I count not myself to have apprehended. Number two, don't forget that God wants to accomplish much through you. Are you there in John 14? Look at verse 12. Very interesting passage. John 14, verse 12. This is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. Notice what he said. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Now notice this. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Have you ever thought about that verse? Jesus said, you're going to do the works that I do, but the works that you do are going to be greater than my works. Now, you've got to understand that, okay? We're talking about Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Okay, so when he says that we're going to do greater works, he's not talking about the quality. I can't be a better soul winner than Jesus Christ. You understand what I'm saying? I'm going to learn soul winning from Jesus Christ. I can't be a better preacher than Jesus Christ. I'm going to learn how to preach from Jesus Christ. When he says the works that we do are going to be greater than the works that he do that he did, he's not talking about quality, but he is talking about quantity. Meaning we're going to, we should accomplish more than he did. Say, so why is that? Well, his ministry was only three and a half years. I can serve God longer than three and a half years. 
See, after three and a half years, he had to go back to the Father. I can give him a lifetime. So he wants us to do what he did, but he said, I want you to do it greater than I did. He said, I want you to do it better than I did. He said, I want you to do more than I did. Go to Ephesians real quickly. You're there in Philippians. Just a second ago, right before uh, Philippians is Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter number 3. Look at verse number 20. Ephesians chapter number 3. Look at verse number 20. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20. I want you to see this. This is what the Bible says. Because sometimes we forget and we think, you know, oh, you know, I, I can't accomplish much. Look, God wants to accomplish much through you. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Look what it says. Ephesians 3.20. The Bible says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask. Here's the interesting part. Or think. According to the power that worketh in us. Do you see that? God says, I not only can do more than you ask. He said, I can do more than you can even think. Whatever you think, whatever's in your mind, like you think, this is the greatest spiritual accomplishment that I could ever do. The most I could ever do was this. And that's what you're like, I can't, I can't even think of doing more than whatever, whatever it is. God says, I can do more than you can even think about. He said, I can dream higher than you can dream. You understand what I'm saying? He says, now to him that is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church of, uh, by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, world without end. Amen. Go to 2 Kings real quickly. 2 Kings. We're, we're, we're like almost done right now. 2 Kings uh, chapter number 2. Say, why, why are you preaching? Am I, look, I've only been preaching for like 25 minutes. We're going to be done in the next five to ten minutes. Right here, right now, I'm making up for all of the long sermons, okay? I'm, this is, you're getting a credit back. You're getting a reimbursement. Second Kings chapter number two. But you've got to hurry up, because if, if you take too long to get there, then I'm going to have to take that back. Second Kings chapter number two. Look at verse nine. Second Kings two nine. Okay? Here's the point. Number one, don't get satisfied. Joshua said, 31 kings! And God says, there remains yet very much land to be possessed. Number two, don't forget, God wants to accomplish much through you. Not only does He expect you to do the works that He did, He expects you to do greater works than He did. He says, I can do more than you can ask, and I can even do more than you can think. He said, I am able to do exceeding abundance above all that you can ask or think. But here's number three, and here's the point. And here's where I think most of us fail. Do not limit yourself. You know, the biggest enemy you've got is you. You know, the biggest reason... We don't do the things that God wants us to do is because we limit ourselves and we think, well, I just can't do that. I, I just, I read, you know, memorize the entire book of the Bible. I can't do that. Well, you may not think you can do that, but God can do more than you think. Talk to somebody out of door and explain to them the gospel. I, you just don't understand my person. I, I can't do that. Well, you may think you can't do that, but God says you can do more than you think you can do. God working through you can accomplish more than you could ever fathom. But we limit ourselves. You know, Elisha is a very, a very interesting character in the Bible. Are you there in 2 Kings chapter 2? Look at verse number 9. You remember Elisha? He was the minister of Elijah. Elijah was that great prophet who did all sorts of miracles. And Elisha was his servant. Don't get me confused. I know very similar names. Elijah, Elisha. Elisha served Elijah. And when Elijah was ready to go, he knew that his time was getting close. If you look at verse number 9, 2 Kings chapter number 2, verse 9. The Bible says, And it came to pass, when they were gone over, 
that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. So he says, look, I'm getting ready to go. And by the way, Elijah didn't die. He was caught up in a, in a chariot to heaven. But Elijah knew it was getting close. And he said, before I go, let me know. What would you ask? What do you want me to do for you? And look at Elisha's response. Elisha was not the type of guy that limited himself. The Bible says, and Elisha said, notice what he says, I pray thee, let a double, do you see that? A double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Now, right off the bat, you kind of think to yourself, Elisha, come on. I mean, have you ever read about Elijah? Elijah was a great man. I mean, Elijah called fire down from heaven. Remember with the, with, with the worshippers of Baal there? That wasn't the only time though. Later on, he was, he was up in a tree kind of hiding out because people wanted his life. And these, you know, the, this band of soldiers comes to find him. And they said, they said, thou man of God, come down because we're going to arrest you and take you to the king. And he says, if I'm a man of God, then let fire fall down from heaven. And fire fell down and consumed them. And then another band came and said, Oh man of God, come down. He said, If I'm really a man of God, then let fire come down and consume you. And fire came down. That's pretty good, I think. You know what I mean? I want to say that. <laughs> hey, preacher, you need to go over. Well, if I'm really a preacher of God, you know what I mean? Fire come down. You know, that's pretty bold. And then the third, the third guy got the point, and he, was, he just comes to him crawling, saying, Please, you know, don't kill us. <laughs> Can you please come? And God says, Just go with them. It's fine. Elijah was a great man. I mean, I think it would have been enough to say, even to say, I could just have your spirit, Elijah. Like, that would have been amazing. But Elisha, he said, I don't want your spirit, Elijah. He said, I want a double portion. He says, I don't want to just do the things you've done. He said, I want to do twice as much as you've done. He said, I want to preach as much. And if you study it on the Bible, you know that Elisha did twice as many miracles are recorded for Elisha in the Bible as they were for Elijah? Now, if you study it out, it gets a little confusing. Because when you, when you go through and you count out the miracles of Elijah, and you count out the miracles of Elisha, you come short by one. And you're like, what happened? You know, he just came short by one miracle. But, but you've got to keep reading. Because later on, Elisha dies, and he's buried. And, and these guys were burying a, a body, and they throw the body, you know, they, they're in a war time, so they see the enemy coming, so they don't really have time to give him a proper burial. So they just throw this dead man in the same grave that Elisha was in, and the dead man, you know, he'd only been dead for like a day, but when his body touched the bones of Elisha, he, he got resurrected. So then you got like that last final. So he did twice as many miracles, even in his death as Elisha. Isn't that interesting? But here's why. Because he asked for a double portion. Okay? He didn't limit himself. He said, if, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it big. You know what I mean? That's the type of attitude I want to have. If I'm going to do this whole church ministry, soul winning, baptizing, getting people saved, changing life, if I'm going to do it, I want to just mess around with it. If I'm going to do it, might as well do it big. Might as well spend time out there. If I'm going to go soul winning, we might as well go soul winning. Might as well get people saved. Might as well preach. If I'm going to preach, then let's preach. You know what I mean? I don't want to mess around with this. And Elisha said, look, I want a double portion of spirit. Notice Elijah's response. Look at verse 10. And he said, notice what Elijah says to Elisha. Thou hast asked a hard thing. <laughs> He's like, man, could you ask for something easier? He says, thou hast asked a hard thing. But notice what God says. Nevertheless. 
Notice what the Bible says, nevertheless. When we ask for God, when we ask for something hard, just believe that God can do it, because He says, Thou hast asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee, but if not, it shall not be so. So He says, look, here's the deal. If you see me when I go, then you can have a double portion of my spirit. Look at verse 11. And it came to pass, as they uh, still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Do you see that? And Elisha saw it and cried. Now make note of this, okay? This is what he cried when he saw Elijah going up. He said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Do you see that? Remember that. He said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel, the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him. So as Elijah gets caught up in this whirlwind, in this chariot, he's going, Elijah throws down his mantle. Elisha picks up the mantle. Look at verse 13. And he took up also the mantle that Elijah, uh, that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. So he goes to the Jordan River. Verse 14. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the water. So he hit the waters with the mantle and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Because Elijah earlier had parted the same river. So now Elisha takes the mantle and he smokes the river and he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? Does it look like Elisha is messing around with this thing? He's very confident. He says, okay God, where are you? I said I want a double portion. You said if I saw it, you said if I saw him go, I would get it. He said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over, look at verse 15. And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, notice what they said. The spirit of Elijah took rest on Elisha. They could just see it. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. But why did Elisha do it? Here's why I believe he did it. He didn't limit himself. When he was asked, what do you want? He said, I know exactly what I want. He said, I don't want... I would have said, like, man, if I could get 10% of your spirit, I'd be satisfied with that. He didn't say, I want 10%. He didn't say, I want half. He didn't say, I want your spirit. He said, I want a double portion. Now, here's what's interesting. Go to 2 Kings 13. 2 Kings 13. We're talking about not limiting yourself, correct? Did Elisha limit himself? No, he did not. But notice... In 2 Kings chapter number 13, verse 14, we get to the end of Elisha's life. Okay, are you with me? Elisha now is getting ready to die. Verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 14. And Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. So you see that? Elisha's sick now. He's going to die. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face. So, does it look like this king loves Elisha? He loves him, right? I mean, Elisha's sick and he comes down and he weeps over his face. And said, tell me if this sounds familiar. Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly what Elisha said when Elijah was going up, right? Now, Joash, okay, so here's what I want you to get. You got the prophet. And you got the next generation, Elisha. Elisha says to Elijah, My father, my father, uh, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha gets a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Now Elisha is getting ready to die, and you've got that next generation, King Joash, comes. 
And he says the same thing. Which I'm sure prompts Elisha to think about what Elijah had done for him. So now Elisha, are you with me? Uh, is this confusing? <laughs> Elisha wants to do the same thing for Joash that Elijah did for him. Look at verse 15. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thy hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. Now this is not safe, but if Elisha tells you to do this, I guess go ahead and do it. And he opened, uh, he, uh, verse 17, And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. And Elisha said, Shoot! And he shot. And he said, okay, so here's, he's going to tell him what this arrow represents. He says, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of the deliverance of Syria. Because they, they were fighting with the nation of Syria. Syria was their big enemy. He said, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou hast consumed them. You see that? So he says, you're going to smite the Syrians. You're going to beat this enemy. He said, you're going to get them till you consume them. Look at verse 18. And he said, take the arrows. Okay, what do the arrows represent? The deliverance of them from the Syrians, right? And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, notice what he tells him. Smite upon the ground. Okay, so here's what he's telling him. He, he just got done telling him, these arrows represent you beating Syria. He said, take those arrows, and he said, I want to see you smite them. He says, put them on the ground and destroy them. Notice what the Bible says. Look at the last part of verse, well, l- let's read verse 18. And he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And notice what it says. He smote thrice, and Keep this word in mind. Stay. You see that? He puts the arrows on the ground. And he says, He says, destroy the, he says, smite the arrows. And he says, okay. And he goes, one, two, three. But he stays. You know, this is how I envision it. He went to do the fourth one. He's like, uh, you know, that may be enough. Because the Bible tells us he stayed. Are you with me? He limited himself. Look at the response. Verse 19. And the man of God was wroth, he was angry with him, and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Now, he smote three times, and he said, How many times should you have smitten? At least five, but he said, Preferably six. What was that? Double. He said, Thou should have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria, till thou hast consumed it, whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Why did you limit yourself? You know, Elisha, we just know from Elisha, if Elijah would have told Elisha, hey, can you smite those arrows? Man, Elisha would have been like, one, two, three, you know what I mean? I mean, six times he would have taken those and like cut them up, bit them, you know what I mean? I mean, this is the same guy that's asking for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. But when he tells Joash to do it, Joash is like, one, two, three. That's probably enough. And Elijah, Elisha says, hmm. well, here's the thing. You're going to win three battles but you're not going to get rid of him. Why? Because he limited himself. You know why you and I don't accomplish a lot in our lives? It's not because God isn't powerful. Because he's able to do exceeding abundant all above all we can ask or think. But it's just often that you and I limit ourselves. Instead of just saying, well, God can do this. God can use me. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. Number one, what did we say? 
Don't get satisfied. Be thankful that you're not what you used to be, but realize that you're not what you should be. Don't get satisfied. We, we, we took 31 kings, God. Okay, there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. We got 84 people saved. We had 54 people saved in the month of April. There's still a whole lot of people that need to be saved. We had two people baptized. There's still a whole lot of people that need to be baptized. We've had the churches have been growing and people have been coming and people have been there. We, there is so many people. There is so much land. There are so many doors. There is so much sin. There are so many sermons that still need to be preached. Are you understand what I'm saying? Don't limit yourself. Don't get satisfied. Don't forget that God wants to accomplish much through you. But here's, here's the most important thing. Don't limit yourself. Because when you limit yourself, what you're doing is you're limiting God's power in your life. If God says, swipe that arrow, man, grind that thing down. God says, do you want the spirit of Elijah? Say, I don't want his spirit. I want twice as many. When God says, hey, do you want to get as many baptized this year as last year? You know what our response should be? I mean, if you want to give us as many this year as last year, that's fine. But you know what I'd really like is twice as many. Do you want to get as many saved this week as you got? Well, I mean, that'd be cool, but I'd rather have twice as many. Don't limit yourself. Because when you limit yourself, you limit God. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for our church. Thank you for those who would come out on a Sunday night, Lord. And I know we're just studying these stories in the Bible and, and grasping spiritual truth from it. But Father, I pray you help us to just be the type of people who say, you know what, I'm going to give God my best. I'm not going to get satisfied by myself. I have not apprehended. I am not done. There is so much more to do. There remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Father, we love you. Thank you for your Bible. Thank you for your word. In your presence, I pray. Amen.